Yeah, I really trust we all received something this, this time, and uh, I want to talk today on building a kingdom culture for sustained effectiveness, because we've, we've heard God can do it, we've heard God can do it through you, we've received something, but now how do we go back and put it in, the, put it in practice, not just for the short term, but for the marathon. How do we become marathonic? And um, so I, I hope it will be helpful. Um, it will be helpful. I know it will be helpful. By faith, yeah. But uh, just really loved all the ministry, really loved working with this team. Really thank you guys. You guys are just incredible people, heroes. Thanks so much, Steve, for your sharing this morning. Thank you for coming all the way from South Africa to blow wind in our sails, and Chanel and Craig as well. So really, it's been amazing. And, um, you know, if I can just go off my preach for a second. Steve, when we met for the first time for lunch on the first day, um, you were telling us about your daughter and you got so emotional several times. And I said to Vanessa afterwards, wow, Steve's just, he's got such a tender heart. And I know you're more of a thinker than a feeler, but I just want to say your, the tenderness of your heart is really beautiful. I've always respected you a whole lot, and, but there's a sweetness and a tenderness of heart that is just so beautiful. And I believe, wow, I think you're going to live in bigger and bigger things. And it's not about that. But yeah, just want to encourage you with that. Thank you for the journey you've been on. Thank you for sharing it with us. We appreciate it. Yeah. So, someone said, what is important is not what happens here, but what happens from here. And we've loved our time. It's been so refreshing to connect. We've had extended times of worship. We've had personal ministry. Uh, I've received my heart is full. But what happens from here is important. And this picture of a fire, fire carrier that I, I trust we all go, and we're going to carry that fire into wherever we go. And um, so, and it's not a pressure to do more. Because I don't think we should go with this pressure, and I've got to do more, I've got to work harder, I've got to sleep less, and I've got to work more. You've heard, Steve, it's not about that. But it's about really carrying the presence of God, having more faith, more love, and more hope. So in Colossians 1, verse 3 to 6, uh, Paul writes to the church, he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Isn't that amazing? Thank God when I pray for you. Thank you, Jesus Devech. We thank God when we pray for you. Really, thank you for your service. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, what was the hallmark of that church? They had faith, not in a movement, not in NCMI, not in anything. They had faith in Christ Jesus. And I thank God for you because I've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And I hope that we all live here with increased faith 
and we go back to our places, and our churches will be impacted by increased faith. So we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. We heard of the love you have for all the saints. And I pray that we will live here with more love in our hearts for one another and more love for the saints, and that will be catchy there. And the love we have for one another, by this the world will know you are my disciples. And uh, so that church was known for their faith in Christ Jesus, their love for the saints, and um, because of a hope laid up for you in heaven, because of that eternal glory that we have, not that little space in time on earth, but because of eternal glory, the hope stored up for you in heaven. And I hope we keep that perspective of eternity, eternal glory, Eternal, in, internal renewal. And, um, and all of this you heard because of the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you. And, and that faith in Christ Jesus, the love for the saints, the hope of eternal glory is found in the gospel, and this gospel is bearing fruit all over the world, including today. And it still has fruit-bearing seeds wherever. So, this, this gospel still has power to save. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's what Isaiah 9, 6 says. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Do we believe that? As we walk out, through little old me, or little young me, depends how you see yourself, God can increase his government and peace as we go. Faith in Christ Jesus, love for the saints, hope in the eternal glory. So, I just want to encourage us to come back to that simple faith in Christ. As we follow Jesus, as we pay attention to some of these things we've heard, God has highlighted some things on our emotional health. God has highlighted some things on, on many things. Let's pay attention and let us go for the long term. Um, but you know, there is incredible pressure on us today as church leaders, and, and we've been through this with COVID. You know, when the churches went online suddenly, suddenly we could attend, attend any church yeah. anywhere in the world, yeah. and our people could do the same. So suddenly you began to compare with others, how they're doing, what are they doing, and the pressure of, I've got to do better. It, it was incredibly intimidating as a church leader. How many views? I've got 800 views, and Lance was telling me how many views they had, and I was like celebrating with him, and truly I was. I was like, this is awesome. But inside, I was also wrestling. We only got 40, and it like, they got like 800. And I'm, I'm glad because I believe God's got a massive church for you guys. I really do. But inside, I was wrestling. <laughs> Can I be honest with you? I got a bit jealous. <laughs> just, just for three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> we allowed six seconds. But really, friends, suddenly we begin to compare ourselves to one another, 
And suddenly there's incredible pressure to now try what they're doing and try what they're doing and try what they're doing. And you know what? This time of COVID has been a shaking, but it doesn't mean it's finished because I think God is still going to shake us and the only unshakable thing that will remain is his kingdom. So honestly, I don't think the shaking is over. I think there's more shaking to come. I'm, I'm not prophesying. I'm just, I'm, I'm not even, no, I don't know what I'm doing. But it can happen, right? But anything that can be shaken will be shaken. But his kingdom will never be shaken. And so we've got to go back to the kingdom. But in that time of shaking, when there's pressure, we begin to see what comes out. Right? A few years ago, about six years ago, I was incredibly frustrated with my leadership. And uh, with myself, too. <laughs> I remember we went to the Global Equip in South Africa in 2015, and, uh, and people were saying, oh, we're hearing great things from Paris, and it's wonderful, and we met with people, but inside I thought, Flipper, I am such a failure. I'm not managing to raise team. I'm not managing to raise leaders. I'm like, God, I, I don't know even know how to do this. And I remember going to walk one morning. I said, I don't even have clarity of vision. People were saying, give us clarity of vision. And I was like, yeah, great. I don't know. What, what is that? And I remember walking one morning, praying, God, give me clarity. I really need clarity. And I just felt God said, make disciples of all nations. That's what he told me. So I was like, well, okay, that's clear. But it wasn't clear to everyone else. <laughs> uh, but what happened since that, I began to read a whole lot of books. I began to search leadership books. I began to listen to podcasts of this guy and this guy and this guy. And I began to look at what this church is doing and what that church is doing and what that church is doing. And you know what it did? It confused me. <laughs> Honestly. And I listened to this and I thought, oh, we got to apply this. And next week I listened to this, oh, we got to apply this. Next week I listened to this, we got to apply this. I got confused and I think our people got confused. And suddenly this was the most important thing, and that was the most important thing, and this was the most important thing. And I was like, God, how do we do this? Eventually, I got to a point, and my wife is a great sounding board to me. She kept telling me, stop listening to all these things. <laughs> yeah, start listening to her, yeah. I got to a point where I said, I'm going to switch all these things off. And I stopped, and I'm not saying reading books. I love reading. I, I love self-learning. I love it. I, I really do. I love leadership books. I love developing my gift of leadership. But it, I came to a point where I thought, I've got to come back to be who I am and who we are. So that's what I want to point us back to today, because in times of shaking, we can begin to look elsewhere and try and be someone else and try and compare, and God doesn't want you to be someone else. God wants you to be you, really. And God wants us together to be us. We're not Hillsong. Hillsong's great. Celebrate them. We're not Craig Rochelle. He's great. We're not Steve Wimble. He's great. 
Well, we are kind of Steve Wimble. We're together. That's not a bad, that's a bad example. We can learn from these guys, absolutely. But friends, what has God called us to? Because what he has called us to is a divine thing. He has put us together. And really, I think let's just come back to who we are. So recently, after six years, it takes me a while to learn. Um, recently, I, I, I started thinking... We had a season in Dubai uh, for seven years. When we left South Africa, we moved to Dubai to support a church plant uh, before we came to Paris. And I remember in the early days of a church plant, Mike Eltringham, who I miss, He was really, I think, oof, brief. It's a breathing technique too, right? To control emotions. <laughs> Speak Polish. Shabbat <laughs> Witty. Mike Eltringham, we were in the church with him in Durban. He married us. They invited us to come to Dubai with them. We served them for seven years. We grew. He brought us through onto leadership. He learned. We learned so much from him. And he passed away a few years ago. But the, the more time goes by, the more I'm so grateful for his influence in my life. And I realize how much I took for granted when he was alive. And the other day, <clears throat> forgive me, I'm French, I'm emotional, I'm allowed. <laughs> but the other day I was walking in my house and I was thinking, Flipper, I, I so wish I could phone him now and say thank you. I really do. Anyway, but I remember when we got to Dubai, he took the church through a list of 44 values that we have. And some of you know this. And none of what I'm sharing today is, was mine. I'm just passing on like a, the reliable messenger. Pass it on to others. I trust you'll pass it on to others. And uh, when I say it's not mine, I didn't come up with it. But I've made it mine. It's, I own it now. It's, it's my convictions. And there may be more than 44. And they may be rephrased differently. But I remember he took us through these 44 values. And what it did is it unified the church. It gave us a framework, a culture within which we worked. And it was an incredible time. We had a, a couple relocate to Paris recently that were in the church in Dubai at that time. And we were talking at what a, an incredible season, a God season we had. It was like a mini revival happening there. But because I think there was a framework, there were some good biblical kingdom values laid in on how we operated, and God poured His Spirit into that. So is that okay? So I want to take you through three points, and each point has 44 points. <laughs> is that okay, Jonas? We're allowed to do that as NCMI? No, I've actually got seven points, but literally I have 44 points. But I'm not going to fear not. Uh, but 
So the tendency, since then, we want to say no one will remember 44 values, clearly. I mean, it's impossible. But it became such a culture, and I think so much of what we've seen this week of how this team operates, we've seen this culture, this culture of honor, this culture of joking together, of good relationships, of, of many things. And um, so what we've tried to do in the last few years is reduce these to five words because that's what people remember. But I think in doing that, we lose a whole lot. And God challenged me recently, come back to these 44 things. Let's have a look. I've taken some of our leaders through that. Um, because this is who we are. This is what God has called us to. So it's simple. I think it's profound. I think it gives us clarity for sustained effectiveness. And um, it's a little bit of our DNA. And no matter what circumstances we go through, it roots us. No, what, no matter what pressure we're in, this is who we are, and this is how we are with each other. Is that okay? So can we go through that? So so three scriptures before we start. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. And I love this. Paul writes, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree uh-huh. that there be no divisions among you, but be united in the same mind, in the same judgment. Be united. All of you agree. Same mind, same judgment. 2 Corinthians 12, 18 says, I urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? Did you see that they had, they had the same value? They had the same heart. They took the same steps. Paul knew that he sent Titus. Titus would not misrepresent him. Yeah. And they, they had the same heart. They had the same values. And it's not a Paul's values. It's a kingdom of God values. They learned it from Jesus. And then Philippians 1.27, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. Thanks, Chesbeth. I've just remembered to put the mic closer. With one mind, striving side by side for the sake, for the faith of the gospel. One mind, one spirit, Striding side by side. I tell you what, friends, Tyron referred to it, but unity, when we work together, one heart, not I'm doing this thing and I'm into this thing and I'm into that thing. Man, somebody said that, um, I forgot what he said, I didn't write it down. <laughs> it's really good, I'm trying to remember. I should have written it down. But um, when we have synergy, it works. But we don't, we don't have synergy. It's misaligned energy. We're spending energy here and here and here and here, but we're actually not moving fast. And friends, when, when four wheels of a car are well aligned, the car runs much better. But if one wheel is pointing there and one is pointing there, you may still go forward, 
but it will be shaky and it will slow you down. So when we work in unity with the same heart, the same values, I tell you what, friends, we're going to go much further and much faster. So the deal is, if you want to go fast, go alone. Ali. But if you want to go far, go together. And we've got to work out our values. We've got to work out our culture. Come back to the kingdom of God values. Because I believe what God has called us to, not only in Europe, but to reach the unreached people groups, we've got to have to work together. The Germans, you're going to have to learn to work with the French. <laughs> and adopt the French way. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> But really, friends, uh, we have to work our things out and come back to these biblical values of how we work. Okay, so let's start. The first one is good relationships. That's my first of seven points, good relationships. And so we had one of those values in the old days that was drummed into us, drummed into us, friendship before function. Friendship before function. And then it changed over time. It became friendship and function because we realized we don't have time to always build friendship before we function together. But this value of friendship and relationship is key. And by the way, these are not in the order of importance. Okay, I think this is pretty important, but uh, some others later. But this value of relationships is so key. When we moved to Paris, I got a part-time teaching job uh, it was quite a crazy story. I, I like the story because it's one of the ways God works. And I, I looked for a job. I applied for an English teaching job at a middle school, uh, kind of age 12 to 15 years old. I went there for the interview, and they offered me a part-time teaching job for technology. And, and that's not IT. Technology is like how things work. And I'm like the most uninterested and unknowledgeable things about how things work. Anyway, I took the job because I thought, God, thank you for the door. I'll, I'll just learn before I, I teach. And when you church plant, you're pretty much ready to do anything. It's crazy. And I, I, but, so I was teaching 13, 14, and 15-year-olds. So I thought, let me ask them. So I asked them, I said, What's the most important thing to you in your life? I was just trying to understand the culture. And 99% of the people I asked said our relationships. Those were the teenagers. But friends, I believe we serve a relational God. We are created relation, relational beings. And I... I I think that's who we are. We are a relational bunch. We are friends. And we function together. Yeah. When Jesus called his disciples, do you think Jesus always had intense moment with his disciples? Like always a teaching moment? Or always come, I'll fill you with my spirit? Yeah. Or like, no, they spent time, they walked, they cooked. They, they, they had to wash their clothes at some point, I guess. They spent a lot of time together on the road. Some of my most impactful thing that I remember from our time in Dubai with Mike was not his teaching. I remember a lot from that. But was the coffee times we had. 
It's crazy the things that stick are the friendships and what we develop together. And friends, we've got to invest in that. It's too precious to just walk away because of a slight offense. Jesus says, I call you friends. And so this thing of friendship, and I'm spending too long on this because otherwise I won't get to the others. But the second point is, uh, I love this. Uh, you see, I could spend a lot. But when John writes to the churches, to the church, he calls them beloved. The friends greet you, greet the French, friends, each one individually. Oh, sorry. Last night, we sat at dinner. We had a wonderful, it's like a, it was like a big Christmas table together. Um, and I chatted with one of the girls in our church, and I hope you don't mind. I will share what you said to me. I will expose your life now, right now. But she said to me, you know, I'm not used. She said, I haven't come to a prayer meeting at your house because I'm not used to going to the pastor's house. And because in my old church... We had spheres or, or strats of hierarchy, and the pastor was very far removed. And it's like, it's still uncomfortable. So I said, well, well, just come and have coffee one day with us. And she was like, whoa, that's a lot. <laughs> Sorry, I hope you don't mind me revealing that. But that's Jesus operated like this. We are friends. And that's who we are as New Covenant Ministries. We are relational. Is that okay? And through difficult times, let's remember that. And this thing of building covenantal relationships. Steve said something at our first lunch, talking about his daughter. And uh, he said, you know, you don't leave your forever family. And I love that phrase, do not leave your forever family. Now, I'm not saying we, we married to each other forever. You know, be free in Jesus, follow. But there's something about covenantal relationships that we stick together through difficult times and through easy times. You don't leave your forever family just for a slight offense. We have to learn to deal with offenses, friends. I don't know of a bigger thing that hinders the work of God than offense in the heart, in the heart, <laughs> in the heart. Seriously, friends, deal with offenses. Dudley Daniel, who started NCMI, used to say, when you get offended, make it last no longer than 30 seconds and then let it go. And then later on, he changed and he said six seconds or three seconds. I remember three, but... Six is good enough as well. It says 30 seconds is too long. It can take root. Three seconds, just stop it. We've got to honor each other and fight for one another and stick together even when my brother steps on my feet. And I, I'm, I promise you, I'm quite convinced most of us have had an opportunity this week to get offended. But we have to be quick to release because when we stick together, that's where the power is. Is that okay? And then we see one of our values is the church is God's healing community. That scripture in Revelation, the river flowing and, and the, the trees growing and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. And God's going to bring broken people and different people and 
arty people, which are difficult people. No, I'm kidding. No, no, I'm not really. It's a joke. But he's going to bring musicians, which are also difficult people sometimes. No, I'm also kidding. But really, he's going to bring all kinds of different types of people into our churches. And the church is God's healing community, and we have to learn to love them. And love takes time. Love takes grace. Love takes forgiveness. Love takes patience. And we're going to have to have a heart of, like Jesus. So that's one of our values. The church is God's healing community. Is that okay? So let's build good, solid relationships. Secondly, we work in team. We're all part of a team. I'm going to go fairly quickly with this, but we are much stronger together. We work in team. There, I think there's only one superstar in the kingdom of heaven. His name is Jesus, really. And there is great power when we work in team. You've seen the difference in gifting and personality and style this week, but isn't it rich? Isn't it rich? Imagine if all you got was me. <laughs> we have, it's, it is so rich. We're all part of a team. Even if we lead a team, we are part of a team. We're part of God's team. Jesus had a team. Jesus was part of a team. And um, marriage is our first team. Marriage is our first team. It's not like... The wife does the ministry and the husband sits down or, or vice versa. Friends, marriage is the first team. We're in this thing together as much as possible. We try and travel together because marriage is the first team. And um, the scripture, Paul says, do we not have a right to take along a believing wife? So as long as she's believing. <laughs> as do the other all the other apostles and the brothers, come on, we, we travel together when we can. It's not always possible, but we travel together when we can, and we minister together when we can. Leadership always in plurality, and sometimes it's complicated. Sometimes there's conflict, but because we're in good relationships, we work it out. But it's rich, and we build away from ourselves. I want to just focus on that. Some people like to build towards themselves. Come to me. And friends, we're not called to build towards ourselves. We're called to build towards Jesus. But also we're called to build towards the bigger picture and the team. You know how damaging it is in a local church when, because broken people come and, and some people grab hold of them and they build towards themselves and you're trying to take them somewhere and they're taking them somewhere else. Yeah. It's like we're not working together. You know, what keeps me awake most at night is this thing. People build towards themselves, and they want to take them, take them there. And it's like, it's a constant challenge. Why don't we just go together? So friends, don't build towards yourself. Let's build towards the leadership of a church and, and where God is leading us. Let's build towards who we are as New Covenant Ministries and what God is on about. But let's build ultimately towards Jesus. He is our Savior. Is that okay? And Paul says, that's why I sent Timothy. Because Paul knew that Timothy would not build towards himself. Timothy would point to the bigger picture. My beloved 
and faithful child, my favorite in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere. Timothy went to remind the church of Paul's ways in Christ. He didn't go to say, look how great I am. He looked to say, look, I want to remind you of Paul's way in Christ. Imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. Is that okay? So we work in team. Thirdly, we are an example worthy of imitation. And the first one of that is probably the most important point of all. We embrace and we surrender our all to all of Christ. I can say to you, surrender everything to Christ, but if I'm not doing it, I'm just being a hypocrite. And I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm still wrestling things with my heart, of course, as we all are. But friends, the heart is, can we say, follow me as I follow Christ? Honestly, it's much easier to say, just follow Jesus, please. Don't follow me. Really. And, and I think you, we should all do that anyway. But let us be people of integrity, as we've heard, and be worthy of imitation. Is that okay? With our time, with our finances, with our relationships. Readiness to pay the price and to sacrifice. Are we ready to pay the price? That's one of our values. We, we ready to pay the price. And the scripture says everyone who's left houses and homes and so on and so on will inherit so much more. That's the promise. But are we ready to pay the price? And you know, sometimes we think the price is so high that we can't pay. But it's because of our wrong thinking. We see the price as a bigger thing than the privilege. And in Psalm 81, I love it. You should go and read it at some point. Psalm 81, 12 to 17. It's like Paul, uh, God is crying out. He says, you have not listened to me, so I've given you over to your hearts. Like, now you follow your own counsel. And, and God says, oh, oh, oh. I'm not giving birth. If my people would only listen to me. And then he goes on to say, I would subdue their enemies. They would eat rich honey and, and so on and so on and so on. And it's like God's grieving, if only you would listen to me. Friends, um, Haman, I just had a word for you. I saw you leading worship or not leading on the base, I think, earlier. I heard a story uh, a little while, a long time ago, about two businessmen who both owned their businesses. And they had to go to a conference to an equip, to an LTT in Bloemfontein. And, uh, and the one businessman says, I just, I just can't take off work. He owned his business, said, I've just got too much work and I can't take off work. And the other businessman said, I'm going, I'm like, I'm going. And, and they, they talked, and, and apparently this was what was said. I'm, not, I'm just relaying. And he says, you know the difference between you and me, those two businessmen? He says, 
For you, your business earns you. For me, I earn my business. And I'm willing to pay the price and to sacrifice for the sake of a kingdom. And I believe, Haman, you have at heart that your business does not own you. And you own your business. And you're willing to lay it down anytime. And I want to commend you for your heart. So readiness to pay the price. Oh, if only my people would listen to me. If God puts a nation on your heart, if God puts a task on your heart, a job on your heart, whatever it is, and you think the cost is too high for me, remember this, God is saying, oh, if only you would listen to me, you would see the blessing. We have been so much more blessed by coming to Paris and planting a church than what it cost us. And I promise you, it's cost us. But I wouldn't change a thing. Well, maybe I would change a few things in my leadership style and everything. But the other thing we are, we're a people of faith. We work by faith. That's who we are. That is our value. That is our culture. It's okay. I'll go on for another 15 minutes or so. We're a people of faith. We don't, not by sight, but by faith. And you know, in Hebrews 11, verse 2, I love it. The, pe the people of old, the, the, the heroes of the faith, they were commanded, not because of what they did, but because of their faith. So it doesn't matter what the fruits look like, but if you act in faith, God says, well done, my boy. And we're a people of prayer. And I think we've got to come back and pray more, really. I've been stirred by this since September. I've been telling our, our team at church, say, man, we, we don't pray enough. We have a monthly prayer meeting. We pray every Sunday. We pray in our home groups. But I'm, I'm more and more convinced we're not praying enough as a church together. And I think we've got to come back and, and have more prayer times. And I think we're going to see great things happen when we pray. And uh, But Tyron spoke about that. We're a people of prayer. I love this example of Epaphras, always yeah. struggling on your behalf yeah. in his prayers. So are you worthy of imitation in terms of your prayer life? Yo, that's a challenge for me. And are you worthy of imitation, a people of character? Next slide. David, upright heart, shepherded them, integrity of heart, a people of character. Next slide, please. And friends, things like vulnerability, teachability, transparency, honesty, integrity, purity, humility, faithfulness, creativity, excellence, flexibility, passion. Are you an example? You can have these slides later if you want them. But really, are we an example? And I know we're all on a journey. But are we an example in these things? I loved seeing some of the humility come through this week when Wojtek preached. I said to Vanessa, man, the humility in his heart is just beautiful. And are we an example in our character, people of character? Okay, next one. Living supernaturally. Oh, I like this one. Friends, we are called to a supernatural lifestyle. That is one of our values to live supernaturally. We're not called to do this by might nor by power, 
but by His Spirit. And some of us are scared of this because of extremes that we've seen. We don't want to become charismaniacs. Uh, so some of us run the other way. We react. But friends, honestly, we cannot do this without the Spirit of Jesus. And um, we are called to be supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. And some of the stuff you've seen here today, this is what it looks like. Yeah. Somebody brings a tongue. I don't think we've ever had a tongue at La Cité. I said to Vanessa this morning, it was so great to see that for our people so that they can see. Yeah. So next Sunday, Charlene, you're going to bring a tongue. Yeah. If the Lord gives it. But it's so great to see because it's in the Bible. Yeah. But it's not weird. It's just, now let's wait and see. We are called to be a supernatural people. No. And, and understand and release the anointing. Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, we have to learn, honestly, we have to learn, we have to discern how do we release the anointing? How do we understand the anointing? Is that okay? Friends, we're called to be a supernatural community. In our meetings, the Spirit of God wants to break out. He does, and some of us want to control everything. And it's good to control. It's good to have consistency. That's my thing. I want to start on time, finish on time. I want to have 25 minutes of worship, three minutes of announcements. Ask my worship leaders. It's like a pressure. It's like, please, can you just give us a little bit more time? I'm like, it's cool. But friends, we have to be open-handed and say, God, sometimes he comes and disrupts our meetings, and we have to be open to that. You have been anointed by the Holy One, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Uh, yeah, that's right. Huh? It dwells in you. <laughs> he dwells in you. How do, we, how do we make this a value, a culture that we are living supernaturally? Not only in the church, but also outside. We're wild, but not weird. Wild has the connotation of great passion of riding horses through Mongolia. That is wild. That, yeah, that is a bit weird, too. It's a clear passion. It's a clear passion. And is Anne here? Uh, Graham and Anne, are you here? Beyond the pillar. Anne, you are someone, I see you, there's a wildness in you. I love it. There's a great passion in you. I want to say, well done. Don't let that fire down. Just stoke that fire. But there's a great passion in you. But you know what else? You're not weird because you are relevant. When you talk, yeah, you, Graham says she's a little weird sometimes. <laughs> not me. But there's a, there's a relevance to people around you. And friends, that's what we're called to be. We're wild with these passionate people living supernaturally, but we're not crazy. We're not weird. We're relevant to the world around us. And we place equal importance on the wine and the wine skin. Some of us are all about the wine, especially the French. <laughs> but, yeah, the Portuguese too, yeah. The Germans are all about the beer. Right. But some of us are all about the wine. We want the anointing. We want the life of God and the river of God, and we want to just drift down the river. And it's amazing. We just want the presence of God. Oh, 
It's amazing. I love it. And I love it. I love the wine. Not, not the real thing. I love supernatural wine. I, I think it's great. But friends, if you put wine in an old wineskin, it breaks and it's, we lose it all. So God has given us not only the power, but also the pattern on how to build. And sometimes we neglect that. We don't want to become organizational and we say, well, we can just let it flow. Let it rain. And, but it's important how we build. When, when God gave Moses the instructions for the temple, it was precise. And when Moses built the temple or the tent, the glory came down. Friends, God has given us a pattern. As we look in the New Testament, we see some kind of a pattern. And we cannot ignore the pattern. We have to be of equal importance on the wine and the wineskin. Is that okay? Okay. Not only are we supernaturally, but we live biblically. And we are radically word-based. I don't know how many times I heard the phrase... The Bible plus nothing, the Bible minus nothing. I'm telling you, I don't know how many times I heard it growing up in this thing that we're a part of. And it's so good because it put on us the value of the Word of God. We live, we're a biblical people. This, the Bible is our model. The Bible is our, who, who likes to build IKEA furniture? The, the Bible is our... Instructions on how to build and how to do relationships and everything. We're a biblical people. And uh, we, uh, we're radically word-based. We're not distracted by new emphases. There's new emphases that come all the time. A few, many years ago, when some revival broke out in America and Lakeland and Toronto and things, and people were like taking airplane tickets and going there, and people invited us. And they said, come with us, we're going to go catch the fire there. And, and all paid expense, really, air tickets flying from Dubai to Toronto. And, and it's like, come with us, we, we're going to go there. And they, everything paid. I didn't have a cent to pay. And I said, okay, sounds cool. Like, I didn't really think about it. And then just, it just didn't sit with me right. I thought, God, what am I chasing? And God, God what is, is this of you? And I didn't feel peace. Eventually, I went back to them. I said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not going to come. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry for what you spent. I, I will reimburse you the cancellation fee. And I did. But I don't feel like... I feel like, for me, it would be like a chasing after something. And we're distracted by the new emphases. God is going to restore many things still to the church, I believe. But let us not be distracted by emphases. Let's keep the whole counsel of God, the Bible. Okay? Keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus, the mission. The return of Christ, the nations. Our love for God, our devotion to him, and the mission is given us. Is that okay? Sure. Investing in others. We heard lots about that already, so I'm going to go fairly quickly. But we want to bring all to maturity. 
we want to invest and pour our lives in others and train and equip all believers in leadership. And I must confess, I did not follow the rules for this equip. So I apologize. Rob says it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. You know what happened is we, we sent our leaders the information about the equip, and we didn't get a wonderful response because of various situations. Not, I'm not throwing any stones. And so I thought, well, let's open it to the whole church then, and let's see who comes. And that's what Jesus said. He says, invite those to the banquet. They said, no, I'm too busy. So then go to the highways and the byways and just invite everyone. So I thought, let's invite everyone because everyone, every one of us is a potential leader. Every one of us. And we have to see this. And we want to go beyond the third generation. We want to invest in the young people, in the old people. And most moves of God stop at the third generation. The first generation at the fire, the second a bit, the third generation, it became a denomination and then it died. And we want to go beyond the third generation. We want to go beyond the 16th generation. Seriously. Uh, let's move on to the next, the last point. Sorry, this next slide is really cool. But I think Malcolm spoke about this. Uh, this is modern day discipleship versus Jesus style discipleship. I stole this picture, by the way. It's not mine. And... But modern-day discipleship is come to my big church, come to my big event, and there's a wonderful speaker, and uh, attend my services, and when you attend, we'll get you connected, we'll get you serving, but there's very little going to the nations. Like Rob said, very little, 4,500 unreached people groups. Jesus' style, he invited three that were close to him. He invested in 12, and then 70, and then 500, and it says they turned the world upside down. The one-on-one -on -one discipleship, small groups, really key. We have to invest in others. Okay, last, last point, and I have about 16 points in this last point. But let us be the church that Jesus is building we need a whole Bible theology on church. I love what Tyron says. He says, you know, the church is not the center. What does he say? The church is not the center of God's plan. Thank you. The church is not the center of God's plan. Jesus is the center of God's plan. But the church is central to God's plan. And that's why we believe in planting churches, because we believe when God has given us the task to make disciples of all nations, the most effective way is to plant local churches. We have to prepare the bride. God is restoring what we need, what is most needed, what has been neglected in our local churches and in our togetherness, and no generation gap. Man, we all embracing churches, the rich, the poor, the whites, the black, the Germans, the French, the males, thank you for that, the males, the female, forgot that one, the young, the old. It's amazing. We have a, an elderly gentleman in our church. I don't know, he's probably about 70-something. But he loves it. He's, like, he's, he's integrated. He talks to the kids. He's integrated in a young home group. And the church loves him. He loves the church. He's found a family. 
And that's what it is. Let us be the church that Jesus is building. And not, let us not copy American Christianity. Uh, and yeah, there's some good things too in American Christianity. Forgive me. Not helpful. Uh, the next point, the priesthood of all believers is the A-team. The pastors, the pastors are not the A-team. The pastors and deacons are not the A-team. We are the A-team altogether. It's the priesthood of all believers going out. The majority carries the minority. All believer evangelism, not just an occasion, but a heart to see the lost saved. And we want to see radical, radical converts. And lastly, total grace package. The grace of God liberates us from our sins, sets us free, but it also teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It changes us from the inside out, the grace of God, the total grace package, keeping believers free. Friends, as leaders, we have to be open-handed. We cannot make decisions for our people. Sometimes it grieves us, but we keep them free. We give them counsel, and when they make wrong decisions, we are alongside them to help them and encourage them to get back on the road. We keep them free. We don't try and control. Financial freedom. We've got to lead our people towards financial freedom. Tithing and generosity. And don't let your finances own you. You own your finances. Don't let money grab hold of your heart. And if you're not tithing today and you're fighting with tithing, go back to the Word of God and, and study this thing. And finally, fulfilling the Great Commission. Fulfilling the Great Commission. Planting New Testament churches in every hamlet, village, town, city, and country. Our hearts beat for the nations. Fulfilling the Great Commission. You and I are set apart for such a time as this. God has brought us here. So these are some of, our, some of who we are. And when the times get tough, let us remember, let us go back to this and say this is who we are. This is our DNA. Let us not get lost and try and copy this one or that one or that one. Let us come back to the kingdom of God values. And by the way, these are not NCMI values. And if you disagree with some of them, it's okay. But... Let us implement those kingdom values and live by them.